Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Hold My Dream, where we navigate the news and politics with a chaser of civility. I'm your host, Jen, inviting you to grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and imagine with us how to create a new American identity together. Welcome to this week's Hold My Drink and Counterweight podcast. Today we have Shamika Michelle with us. And Shamika Michelle, she is talks about living life authentically. Shamika, I love your book, um, Keep It Naked. You say, are you tired of going through life feeling like a miserable sack of shit? <laughs> That's how we're saying <laughs> And I love because you also are the um, your podcast host with Will Riley and Charles Love on Cut the Bull and always cracking me up. So I'm so excited just to hear about living life authentically with you. And before we do, did you bring something to drink to the table? Well, I hung out last night. I went to a Christmas party and it was an open bar. So I am kind of drank out for like the next day or two. I, I had margaritas, tequila shots, so I'm drinking what I'm drinking today. <laughs> You're rehydrating. Yes. <laughs> David, did you bring anything? Listen, this is about authenticity today, so I'm going to be honest. I did not bring a drink today, but um, I have to say, though, I was on Cut My Bowl podcast, and Shamika cracked me up. I mean, it like, wow, she was uh, so, uh, uh, you know, you, you were asking me about, like, like whether you should date African men or something like that. And I was like, I, I was like, I was like, I have no answer for that. <laughs> so I haven't had that pleasure yet. That's why I wanted Shamika on. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, but, but that said <clears throat> with the drinking part. So I'm the only one drinking. I'm just drinking wine. I've got it in my Christmas Spode glass here. Yay, Spode. But I haven't, I forgot to eat today. So Ooh. Yeah, this might hit me quicker than some of the other ones. So that'll be fun. So anyways, <laughs> okay. So that's authentic. There you go. There's a, there's my authenticity for this. <laughs> so Jamika, to start with like just you and how you came around to like living authentic and what that means for you and kind of where you, like your life story to where you are right now. So I feel like I used to live authentically as a young person. And then I got into the church, I got into the ministry, I was married, and then all of a sudden it's like I lost who I was. Um, I just had, it's like I became a liar, not on purpose, but there were times when I still had to preach, teach, dance, sing, and my life was cracking like glass. And so I felt like I had to always be on. I had to always look like I had everything together when I did not have everything together. You know, I was going through things in my marriage, but I always had to put on a smile. And so once I got divorced, I felt like I wanted to remove the mask and be open, honest, and emotionally exposed. So I talked to some of my friends and in high school, we used to go by the girls. And so I was telling them, like, you know, I want to start a blog and I just want to be honest and talk about real life issues. And they were like, "Okay, it sounds good. And I asked them to be a part of it. And so my children went with their father on their first vacation post-divorce and my children were crying. They didn't want to leave me behind. And I went on Facebook after they left and I just wrote like this really long open, honest post about how terrible divorce is, you know, and how I just saw people celebrating it and having these divorce parties. And I was thinking it's really nothing to celebrate because although I feel like it was something that I had to do at the end of the day, there's one of us that will miss vacations or there's one of us that will always miss tucking them in at night or having dinner with them when they come home from school and that part sucks and so I called my friends and I was just like um don't let them crucify me for being a naked girls and they were like oh my god is that what the blog is going to be called and I was like do you like it? And they said, yes. And I was like, yes, that's what, you know, that's the name of it. Because I just wanted to be honest. And I felt like 
if another woman was in my shoes and feeling like she was really suffering or having a hard time or just wanted somebody who could understand that there was a place where she could come and be completely honest without judgment, without criticism, and she would feel comfortable doing that because that's what we were doing. That's what I was doing. And so that's how Naked Girls came to be. And then my tagline would always be keep it naked. Instead of saying keep it, keep it real. Right. I felt like people were saying, oh, I keep it real, but they were still lying. And so I'm like, when you are naked, you really can't hide anything. Like that your butt is sagging, breasts don't sit where they used to, like naked shows everything. So I would always say, keep it naked. And so then that's how the book came to be because people would ask me questions or we would just have conversations. And I'm like, let me put this in a book. And so I went with keep it naked because I said it so much. I love it. Great. Yeah, and you know, I I have to tell you, I'm so relating to you right now. When I got divorced, um, you know, I look back and everything happens for a reason and, and you know, I'm in a good place. But for my child and that for now, I'm like, I'm having memories of the first Christmas that I had without him, you know, and wow. And, and to this day, my son, who's almost 18, by the way, he's 18 New Year's Eve. Um, he, well, you know, he would say like, why can't you guys get back together? And that was the part where I was like, I didn't realize I don't, in some ways it was, I mean, some people need to get divorced. I mean, there's, and I think that my son, Finn, now looking back is probably like, that was the life that, that was how it was supposed to go because he had challenges that like, let, you know, moved him forward. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize the selfishness and the impact that it was going to have on him. Um, and again, not d- d- divorce isn't always selfish. I mean, sometimes you need to do it, right? But it's just like, I, if I would have known now, what I known then, I would have, there would have been different thought processes. David, you've been, you've been divorced too. Like, what about you? Like, what's, did you have similar? I have to say, well, my, my, it was, it was, my kids did fine, very well, actually. And I, I have a very close relationship with both boys. So that, that was helpful. But I actually think I'm a much more authentic person today than I was when I was in my, and I'm married, I'm remarried, but I'm remarried in a way that makes sense. It's not, I'm not married and to somebody who I couldn't, you know, really relate to or whatever. And I think that, um, I think that that's really key. Like once, once you sort of get out of that box a little bit, um, it, it does open up and I'm doing something that's more authentic and more consistent also professionally now fighting against like, you know, far left-wing woke ideology, I'm more aligned with that. So when I'm doing fundamentally things, both in my personal life and my professional life that I'm sort of basically more aligned to when I'm living more authentically, I think I'm a much healthier person. Yeah, my kids tell me that I'm a lot nicer after divorce. So they do like it. It was just hard initially because they were used to being around me all the time and Mm -hmm. here they were going on a vacation with dad and mom wasn't going. And it's like, wait, we're used to mom always being around. And so that first issue was, well, that first experience was really hard, but they always say that I'm much nicer. And in fact, one of them just, we have a little group chat, me and my daughters, so I have three girls on Instagram. And one of them sent a post that said, now that I think about it, my mom and dad had no business ever being together. <laughs> so they're like all the time, mom, like how are y'all ever together? But the good thing too, is we do everything still together as a family. So like uh, parent conferences we do together. We did, we do holidays together. I've never been without them on a holiday because we just, We'll still do Christmas together, do Thanksgiving together, basketball games, plays, we sit together so our children only have to look in one place, you know, so we get along really well divorced, but it just, we did not work married and I always, we're still on the same team, but we had to switch positions. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, we're at that place now where we do all that. It took a minute to get there. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not there. <laughs> not because I don't want to be. It's just not happening anytime soon. Um, but uh, for another day, by the way, I mean, I'm into authenticity, but that might be a little bit too uh, too authentic to, uh, too quickly. But, you know, like offline, yeah. I'll have to, you know, and then I will actually have to have a drink at that point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway, yeah, you're, you know, you have a, I think that persona that you, that you have really shines through when you do the, when you do the podcast, you're, you're, you're funny. And there's, it seems like there's almost nothing you won't say. Do you feel like you've sort of liberated your internal, uh, that, that like, I don't know what, what the part of brain is. Maybe you're, uh, you, you, you've allowed yourself basically to say what's on your mind. Would you go that far? Or are there still things that you hold back on? And if so, what? So I feel like I hold back when I'm on anybody else's platform <laughs> because I know how far I can go. And I know that sometimes the shock value, like people are so shocked by what I say sometimes that, and I don't even pay attention. They have hit the floor and I'm still talking, you know, <laughs> but when I am on someone's one else's platform, I try to be mindful that I'm on someone else's platform. So sometimes I may not curse, even though there's a curse word right at the tip of my tongue. Um, so I feel like when I'm on my own stuff, like if I make a video or if I go live, that's when you get the most authenticity because I'm like, this is mine. And whatever I want to yeah. say, I'm going to say. And a lot of times I do take the heat because I've, I'm kicked off Facebook right now. I can't access Facebook for three years. And <laughs> I've had yeah, my yeah. privileges of going live, taking on Instagram. So I can't go live on Instagram, but I still can go live on YouTube, but I don't have as many subscribers on YouTube. So hopefully one day I'll have my own show and people will really get to say like, oh my goodness. Because when I used to go live on Facebook, it was just before all of the censoring. So when people go back and look at my old videos, even when I go back and look at my old videos, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could never say that now. And I'm surprised that they are even still up at times, you know, some of the things that I've said. Because now I, you know, I wouldn't be allowed to say that on most platforms. So I'm hoping one day to, to be able to just really let it rip. <laughs> what, okay, what puts you in Facebook jail? For saying that oh. Father's Day was for men. So I would always go to jail and it, it, it was a gradual. I think the first time I went to jail, maybe I was kicked off for... I don't know, 12 hours or something. Then it was three days. And then, you know, it's like they kind of, at that time, they would progress. And so I got several 30-day suspensions. And <laughs> one of them was for saying Father's Day is for men. And so I was able to stay on for a whole year. Uh -huh. I went and reposted that same video again <laughs> when it was time for Father's Day. And not too long after that, I couldn't access my account anymore. But thankfully, they left it up. So I have admins that run the page, but I like people to know, like, if you send me a message, I, I probably won't see it. Like, sometimes they'll respond. There's like an automatic message on there that or automated message they'll get back to let them know it's not really me. <laughs> Was that the same thing that got you off of Instagram as well? Was it the... Or is there, is there a new, is there an Instagram jail story? <laughs> yes. So what got me kicked off Instagram was when, I don't know if you've heard of the artist uh, Lil Nas X. And he is, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. heard of him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he had the video where he was giving Satan the lap dance. And he also had put out those Satan shoes with uh, drops of blood. Uh, and I did, I went live. No, I posted a video about that and they took my video down and said it was hate speech and took my privileges away, um, from going live. Cause I guess it, I initially, when I saw they removed my video, I was like, well, I'll just go live. <laughs> and they were like, uh, but you won't. 
And I actually have two Instagram pages and they took the privilege from both. Wow. I've got um, my, this story cracks me up. David knows this story. My husband (laughs) got permanently kicked off of next door. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) He said something derogatory towards a neighbor. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I got, I got kicked off permanently. The Jewish educators Facebook page of 12,000 people because I posted an article that I had written saying that maybe we shouldn't be teaching critical race theory as dogma in Jewish day schools. And I got permanently banned from that, uh, for, oh. for that one supposed sin. So we've all been kicked off somewhere. Or oh, you haven't. Right. Been, you're, no, I, yeah, um, I haven't. I just live vicariously through y'all. I like, I try to sometimes see what I can, where I can poke, but yeah, I, yeah I'm not just not, poke. I know. Well, I know. I just don't. When I poke, I mean, I don't. Uh, well, obviously, we have you know a podcast and stuff, but I, I'm just not on social media enough. Like, it's just to me, it's a time. Like, it, it. If I post something, I'm, I, I am that person. I am that person that they, they, they built the algorithm for me because I have to go back in and I have to see who liked it and see who commented. And it's like. If I do something, it's a whole day thing. If I post something that has like even you even a picture, something that's not provocative, I've got to go in. You know, so it's like I'm on it for like work reasons. I'm on it for the podcast, but for myself personally, mm, no, I just I've got I got I got shit to do. <laughs> yeah, I've signed up for Gitter, um, and I'm gonna push them to see how far I can push them. And I just told a friend yesterday, like I noticed they start to purge again on Twitter. So I'm like, I'm going to use Twitter to kind of promote the podcast. I'm a contributor for Fearless on Blaze TV now. So I'll use it to promote that. But I'm going to put all my junk talking on Gitter and see what happens. Because <laughs> they claim they're this free speech platform. So uh-huh. going to see how free I can actually be. You'll have to let us know if you yeah. ban, if you break, you're going to break the internet. That's just what you're, you're going to go break the internet. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try because I've been holding back and I want to just, I really just want to be free. Yeah. So, can I ask you a question? So, you know, obviously we talk a lot about the stifling culture on discussion, discussions of race, wokeness and all the rest. And here you are, you're writing about and talking about authenticity and I, I think what, to me, one of the tragedies in the current discourse is it doesn't allow people to approach these issues in an authentic way. Like, it, you're much more likely to get rid of a prejudice that you have if you can actually talk to an actual human being who doesn't make you walk on eggshells talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, Jen, Jennifer and I have done number of interviews on gender, uh, transgender, with transgender people. And... I've learned, and I know you have, Jennifer, because we talk about it so much from those interviews, right? But these are people who don't tell me, don't are not looking to like call me out if I say something wrong, if I miss a pronoun or something like that. They're just really thoughtful people. And then right. therefore I become so much more sympathetic to the plight of transgender people because I know these people, these real human beings on the other end who didn't make me feel like I was walking on eggshells. And I feel like that same spirit has to be brought to discussions of race. I mean, you know, and if we did that, there would be so much more understanding out there than there is now. Am I wrong? Oh, you're absolutely right. I feel um, so. I have a really good friend. We met um, actually at a walkaway event a few years ago. And we just connected. She's a white lady, blonde, as blonde as you can get. And we actually to have honest conversations. Her and um, another one of my friends, a male, and he's actually white and gay. I have a couple of white gay friends. And so I get to talk to them about race and sexuality. And I just think I feel really open and honest with them. And so like one time she said she wanted us to get a picture. We were hanging out in D.C. and she's like, oh, we got to take a picture. The last time we took one, it wasn't good or whatever. I want to get a good picture and post it. And on the way walking back to I was staying at the Trump Hotel, she ran into somebody that had this really big dog. And she got down on her knees and was cuddled all up with the dog. 
oh my God, it's so cute. And she was hugging the dog and the dog was like licking all over her. And then I was just kind of standing there like, (laughs) (laughs) and so then she gets up and she's like, okay, now we got to take our picture. And I was like, not after you've been touching that dog. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, black people don't do that. And so, but it was nice to be, and she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, we don't hug up and with dogs and let them be licking on us and stuff. <laughs> we have these honest conversations all the time. And even they can call me and say, hey, they'll, they'll call and say, do black people like Tyler Perry? Like we can have honest conversations. And I just feel like we're getting to know each other. We get to laugh. And so I feel like if you can't have those with people, then you are walking on eggshells and you don't get to know each other as well as you could. I don't want to be walking on eggshells with my friends. I don't care what color you are. I want to be able to be myself. And I want you to know that even if I say something that's a little bit off, I don't mean any harm by it. It may not be politically correct, but because I, you know, sometimes I just don't know. Like I'll, I'll ask, you know, is it okay to say uh, yellow for an Asian person? Like, I don't know. Is that acceptable? Is that wrong? Is that, you know, I have no idea. I'm just good. But if I can't have that real conversation with somebody, then I don't know. Like when I was talking to you, David, and I'm like, I don't know what a Jewish person looks like. Am I supposed to be? Uh, I can't. They all white to me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's cool. Like, I'm like, okay, she really doesn't know what a Jewish person is like. I think, I, I, and the people I grew up with are like, yeah, you're 100% Jew. Like, I look at you, your name, your, your nose, your your frizzy Jewish hair, you know, and, and so, and then to know that you actually couldn't pick me out from a, a white guy, that's hilarious. Like, awesome. that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, I didn't grow up around any white people, so... I, I had the first white person I ever went to school with in the ninth grade. And from ninth to 12th grade, we only had six white people in the school uh, as far as students. And they were white, white, I'm assuming. But, you know, so it's like I never was around enough pe- people to kind of learn the difference. So I'll hear people say, oh, you can tell that's an Italian. And I'm thinking, I can't. They're just white to me, <laughs> you know. And I'm learning that now as I travel the country and get to know more people and get to have more conversations, I'm learning like, oh, there's a difference. You know, I hear people talk about somebody being anti-Semitic and I'm like, well, I wouldn't even know because I have never been around Jewish people or any white people, really. I was in a baton group, but that was seeing them once a week. And, and at baton practice. So it wasn't even like I got to spend a lot of time with them to get to know them. So I haven't had the experience of really being a, around people outside of the black race. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, a, you're, a, you're a bit of a rebel now. I mean, you know, what you're saying now about engaging people of different races and allowing them to you know, express their authentic views toward you and whatever. I mean, that's sort of not where the current moment is. I mean, so how is it for you? Are you facing any backlash in your own community about your stance on these issues? I did initially, um, especially when I started supporting Trump or even just telling people to walk away from the Democrat Party, because in the Black community, we vote like 90 percent Democrat most, you know, for the last 60 years. And so people kind of was like, well, what's going on? I feel like Blacks are a little bit possessive. I don't know if any other group is like that, but it's almost like they feel like they own you. And I'm thinking, we's free, you know? (laughs) I'm thinking, (laughs) (laughs) we didn't get free from the white man, but the Black people that that now be the master, you know, I'm free. But there's this kind of feeling of ownership, like, well, why are you now communicating with white people? Because for years, Naked Girls was just, um, most of the followers were Black. And so when I started to kind of uh, grow and when I started to have a different way of thinking, 
it threw some of my followers that have been following me for a couple of years off, like what's happening. But because they knew me to be so authentic, they said, we may not understand it, but we've always known her to be honest with us. So they couldn't really hate me for it, but some of them did have a lot to say back because it was different for them. And so some of them would say, oh, I'm just not following you anymore. And I would say, peace. <laughs> I don't know you anyway. You know me. I don't know you. And um, others would say, gosh, this is confusing, but I've always known you to be honest. So I'm just going to ride it out and see what happens. Hey, on that note, will you tell me, like, from your perspective, what I mean, what is it? What was it about, like, if it was Trump in particular, like, did you have a political transition? Because I know that you talk about, like, you didn't even realize you were conservative until, like, at some point, it, you know, it was kind of called out. Did you have a transition to, like, Trump or was there something specific that you said, OK, this is this is why I like him? Um, where is your political? How'd that happen? How'd that evolve? So I think that I think I was raised with conservative values. But again, I feel like, you know, just because black people vote Democrat, I always voted Democrat. I didn't know any better, although I believe in family. You know, I I grew up in the church. I believe in working hard to get where, you know, you need to go. I believe that we um, I believe in conserving the individual pretty much, you know, mm -hmm. So I think I've all my kids all went to charter school, which is school choice. Most um, Republicans support that. And I believe in being able to, you know, uh, have the right to bear arms. There's just so many things that I actually always believed, but I voted against. So I don't. Trump, I think, made me look closer. And it was because I didn't vote for him in 2016, but I didn't vote for Hillary either because I knew I didn't like her. Like I knew that she just didn't feel authentic to me. I didn't like some of the comments she made, like, you know, I got hot sauce in my bag. It just felt yeah, so We were talking about that the other day. Yeah, it felt so forced to me that I was like, I just can't trust her. And she never really talked about her experience, in my opinion, of having her husband have such a public affair. To me, she just went on like as if, life was fine after that like it was no big deal and I'm thinking girl he got his dick sucked in the over office aren't you <laughs> you know for me I'm like I would have been crying <laughs> like tell us that you cursed him out private like I'm not saying you have to belittle him in public but I'm just saying let us know that you're a human and you have real feelings and that this was difficult for you and you know let us see that you're a real person. So I never even thought about voting for her because I'm like, I just don't trust her and she doesn't come across real. I definitely don't want her in a position of, of making policies, you know. So um, I, I didn't vote for either of them in 2016 and I get picked on for voting for Jill Stein because I had absolutely no idea who she was or what she believed. I just knew I wasn't voting for Trump and I wasn't voting for uh, Hillary. So that's all I had left. <laughs> and yeah. so it was just a series of things. Once the, like the next day after the election, I saw people fall apart. And I never, like, I was never sad that Trump won. I never felt angry that he won. I never felt like I was going to be mad at somebody else who voted for him. And I watched people literally scream in the streets and make posts saying, if you voted for him, if I find out, I'm not talking to you anymore. And I watched people unfriend each other and families fall apart. And I'm like, these people are nuts. <laughs> and so I, it just... I, I started to pay a little closer attention to what he said. And then once I got kicked off Facebook, um, which I believe was 2018, when I got kicked off Facebook, I started putting videos on Twitter. And I was able to notice that the people that flocked to me were more conservative. And I'm like, 
I thought I was just talking about common sense stuff because I was talking about not um, keeping the dad away from the children. If things don't work out, you know, how important fathers were and how important men are to society and how I just felt like um, the LGBTQ was just going too far and they were bullies and they just wanted you to just accept it. Even if you, if you didn't like it, if you didn't, they called you homophobe. Like I just started talking about things that I thought were common sense. Like I had already always been talking about it, but as I said, most of my followers were black. And so they were like, yeah, girl, yeah. But when I moved to a different platform, I'm like, where are all these white folks coming from? And, <laughs> and so I, that's how I realized my thoughts and the way I think is just more conservative. And then Brandon Strzok found me, who is the founder of Walk Away. And because I had been doing research on Trump, like Trump didn't bother me at all. I think because to me, Trump was naked. Like he would just say whatever it could be politically incorrect, which most of the time it was. And so he would be funny to me or I just like that he had the guts to say it, because if I was ever a politician, I would be so politically incorrect that people would probably want to shut me up, too. And so I would be like, that's how I would say it. That's. Mm -hmm see what he means that's you know so he never really bothered me although I understand why he bothers other people because I understand why people don't like me sometimes but I have been watching him and I'm like it was so many things that I agreed with him on like to be honest when he took the uh Spanish down off of the the website the you know and it was just English I was like yeah you know, my people had to come here and learn English. Your people got to come here and learn English. <laughs> so while people was upset with him, like he removed the Spanish interpretation. I was thinking we speak English in this country. So I liked it. And I said, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but that's what I would have done too. I get sick of calling somewhere and they don't understand what I'm saying or I can't understand what they're saying because I, I don't want to have to press one for English. I just want to call and it's English and let's move along. You know, my people had to learn it years ago. Y'all need to learn it too. That's really how I feel. I'm laughing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you were. Well, you think okay, you go, you go, because it's probably funnier than what I'm okay, saying. Okay. I'm gonna get all serious and you know. Yeah, okay, okay. This is just a passing comment. So then and then I was I'm laughing at you because. See, my husband loves Trump for the same reason that you just said, it, like authentic. He says it like it is. And uh, while I love authenticity, I just don't like what he's saying, right? You know, so it's like, be authentic, but, you know, like, just have a different message. And so I'm, I'm just, I, it, yeah, but my husband's the same. He's like, he says it like it is, you know, and I'm like, uh, well, that's how it is for you and for him, maybe. It's not how, you know. And for me. Yeah, and then for Shamika, right? So I guess, I guess, I guess I just kind of feel like since the president is supposed to be, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? You know, speaking for a whole nation, I feel like he, right. always, you know, he only speaks for a certain, his authenticity, he, he is authentic. There's no doubt about that. But it's just not like, it's not authentic. It's not me. I like, I'm authentically different than him. But my, but my husband's like, I don't care. It's authentic, <laughs> general. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm just laughing because I, I we we all need to have a drink together sometime. But David, okay, that was my my one comment. So go on. Sure, sure. So, so do you like? Do you think that there's a lot of folks in the black community like you too that also, you know, and just not that. I mean, you can look at the numbers. And we know how many black people voted for for Trump or whatever versus uh, Biden. But but you do you feel like there's a there's a vigorous discussion in the black community about like, hey, what should our attitudes be about how much racism there is in America today? Do you think there's a lot of that or do you think most people just don't pay attention to it? They don't care. They got their own lives. You know, they're busy, you know, doing what we're all doing, you know, raising our kids, uh, you know, going to work every day. They're not really that paying attention to those debates. How much of a debate is there in the daily lives of most Black people in America, do you think, over these issues? I think there's a lot of talk about it. 
But the issue for me is I feel like there's a lot of emotionalism and it's not a real conversation. So uh, what I mean is like, I don't feel like um, black people are being hunted down by the police, but there are so many black people that feel like we are. There are so many black people that feel like there is white supremacy, whereas for me, I feel like while there may be uh, white supremacists or white people that feel like they're supreme, white supremacy doesn't exist to me because I say in order to believe in white supremacy, I have to believe in black inferiority. And I do not believe that black people are inferior. Like my skin color is not inferior to anyone or makes me inferior to anyone. And so I feel like that's a hard concept for a lot of black people to grasp. They want to and this is like, I'm trying to make sure. So this is the thing. I feel like a lot of people like to point the finger at somebody else and not take accountability. When it comes to black people, they like to point the finger at the white man and not take accountability. So I do think that the conversation is had. I just feel like it's it's been the same conversation for years and it's, it's getting old, it's getting tired. It's like wherever you are in life, it's not because the white man had his foot on his on your neck. Wherever you are, whether you, you're where you want to be or not, it's because of your own choices. So I think that that is a conversation that I wish Black people would kind of take hold to. Because again, I think all people uh, lack accountability in some areas. But for when it comes to Black people, they definitely just blame the white man and hearing it like where you are in life is because of your own choices not because the white man the white man the white man you talk about white supremacy you're the one that think white people are supreme because if you didn't think they were supreme you wouldn't think they had all this power over you and so I do feel like the conversation happens all the time but it happens in such a negative way for most black people David this is where I'm going to cue you to talk about systems Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. She knows my favorite question. I, I, she might've already answered it, you know, because I, I'm, I'm very interested in like, there's this, people talk about a systemic racism and, you know, and, and I think it probably exists in certain places. Like I had this argument with, with Charles, who was like, no, it doesn't exist at all. I'm like, I'm not sure it doesn't exist at all. I think there are certain institutions where there's probably a culture of racism in it. I don't think it's widespread, but I'm, but anytime someone uses the term and, and describes something in particular, I try to look into it and say, well, does this charge have any merit? Like people say um, in, uh, uh, in Flint, Michigan with the water, and, and they, they claim that there was systemic racism behind it. So I, I started to read the report. I really wanna see on what basis they're forming their opinion that there was systemic racism. In some cases I'm like, yeah, that could be. It's plausible. In some cases, I'm like, I don't see even what they're talking about. You know, um, you know, there was a there was an assertion about orthopedic surgeons being systemically racist, and that's because there's so few uh, black uh, orthopedic surgeons. And I didn't think that they made one claim to me that proved that there was systemic racism. That was from last night's reading. Anyway, oh yeah, that was Trevor do- Noah. That was Trevor Noah fired uh, his ortho- orthopedic surgeon. Is that what you're talking about, David? No, no. There oh, was it's totally two I different could- things. Yeah, but I, I, oh, I have yeah. to read about that now. Trevor Noah fired his orthopedic surgeon because he was incompetent, but then it, it became a racist thing because he was also black. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. wow. Yeah, I have to watch, see that. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, David. I didn't mean to take you. I thought, I, sorry. Anyways. No worries. So, yeah. So, what do you think? Do you think you're systemic racism? I have two questions, actually. Is America systemically racist? And is there systemic racism in America? I don't think that America is systemically racist. I do feel like there are some systems that still promote racism. Uh, like, I would feel like Um, Often in the justice system, we can see the uh, disparities between Blacks and whites sometimes getting different times for the same crime or something like that. Um, I think when you look sometimes at people mortgages and 
you know, uh, Blacks' mortgages may be higher, even if they have the same credit score. I know where my husband and I built our house, it's almost like our land was so much more when we talked to the neighbors, like, what? You pay how much for yours? Ours was this, you know? And so, and then he had a, he got a PMI insurance on, on his, it was just like, I feel like there are things that are set up sometimes that I, I just don't know if white people have to face those same issues. Like I don't hear white people saying, oh, my mortgage was so much greater or I had a harder time getting a loan or something like that. So I do feel like there are certain systems that still you can still see racism in. Now, I don't believe that America is systemically racism, racist. And I don't like, I don't go as far as when people say math is racist. That's dumb to me. Um, you know, I think things like that are silly. Like I don't see racism in every area that I look. I do think that it exists because humans are not perfect. And while we have progressed in America, some people just have a certain mindset. And so I think there are still racists and they still work in certain areas of society. So, you know, it just is what it is. But I don't think we are where a lot of people think we are. Like a lot of people, you would think that we just got free yesterday and we've made so much progress now. And I'm like, why do y'all still say the same things? Like the America my grandmother lived in is not the America I live in, nor will it the America I experience be what my children experience. Like it should always get better and it has, but people act like it hasn't. On that note of like racism and systemic racism and whatnot, there's this big debate. I'm, I know both of you probably know about it. Do you think can... Racism only go one way. No, racism can definitely go both ways. To me, if it is about thinking that, which from my understanding, it is thinking one race is superior over the other. I know people like to put like, oh no, it's, um, what do they say? Uh, prejudice plus power. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. that's stupid yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that because I know black supremacists you know, that, and listen, to be honest, I don't even have a, uh, um, a problem with people preferring one race over the other. When it's just like, uh, you know, like for me, I prefer to date black men. That's just my preference. I don't know if that's a prejudice or like, to me, black men are superior. That's just how I feel. They, you know, but I would never mistreat a white man because I feel like that about a black man. I would never want to see a white man mistreated. I, I would fight for him for his rights just as much as I would fight for, you know, a black man's rights. And so that is the issue that I have that I feel like um, you can prefer a white woman. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, I was going to say it's pre preference doesn't mean prejudice. Yeah. Yeah, but don't, because you prefer white women, don't see me getting knocked over the head in the street and be like, oh, she black, who cares? <laughs> right. You shouldn't treat people differently because of their skin color. And so that's what I want us to see. Like, I don't like when people say, oh, I'm colorblind. Like, no, you're not. When you get to a red light, what do you do? You stop. Why? Because you see color. And so to me, it's not an issue of seeing color. The issue is whether or not you mistreat someone because of their color or you feel like they can achieve because of their color. Mm -hmm. That's the problem that I have. And so it bothers me when we say these things like um, math is racist or we need to get rid of classes, these, uh, you know, academically gifted classes because they're full of Asians or white people and black people aren't, you know, in those classes. Well, too bad. Black people then work harder. Like you can do it. And I use this analogy all the time. If I take my dog to a dog trainer, my black dog, 
And I say, I want my black dog to be able to roll over, sit and fetch. When I go back to pick that dog up, I'm going to expect my dog to be able to roll over, uh, sit and fetch. Why do we continue to act as if there are certain things that black people can't learn? Black people can do it. Black people can put their mind to it. They can achieve, they can succeed. And for you to act as if academics, you know, they can't do this. I, that's not a, something that I subscribe to. Like I don't subscribe to that train of thought. I think it's stupid. The same way you feel like a dog can be trained regardless of, of color or, you know, size, whatever. That's the way I expect black people to excel and achieve. When you go to school, go there, get what you're supposed to get, learn, do well and get out. And, and your color of your skin should not stop you from doing that. And I will not let you use that as an excuse. Right. You think that the message that's coming out of some of the woke ideology these days is in a way a detriment to black people? It's telling them that the system's rigged against you. And so that so that may actually hold some of them back from from trying. Well, if the system's rigged, then why should I put my best effort for it? It's just futile. I'm, I'm a victim of the system. Do you see that at all? Is that a problem? Yes, that is a big problem, and I don't like that messaging. I've had to reach out to my own uh, child's school to say, hey, don't, don't teach my child that. There was a lesson where the teacher was having them write a letter, like, what would you say to a Black woman to make her feel good about herself? And the teacher went on and on about how Black women were um, the most disrespected in society, and Black women this and Black women that. And I'm like, this is a black woman that you are teaching. Don't tell her that type of foolishness. And so I had to reach out to her like, you know, my she is a female, she's a woman and she's black. However, that is not going to stop her from doing anything. I don't like this, the system is rigged because then why try? If the system is rigged, why would you even put any type of mm -hmm towards it, you know? And so I think that that's terrible to teach a child because you're already now putting it in their mind that they're not gonna be able to succeed or accomplish anything. And that only the white person is going to be able to be successful because they're white. And then, and then I also think it creates enmity between the white and the black person. I know if I felt like you were just gonna get ahead simply because you were white, why would I want to be your friend or talk to you? I'm going to watch you take from me things that I've worked hard for simply because you're white. I just think it creates division. It, it creates animosity between the races. And I, 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 yeah, I just, for me, I don't like that. And I don't want my children taught that at all. Hmm. My last question, Shamika Michelle, do you have in your like, book of authenticity any amazing new year's resolutions for yourself that you want to share new year's resolutions i haven't thought about it um <laughs> uh, i don't think i normally make any to yeah. be honest i can't remember the last time i made a new year's resolution for me um I get more into thinking about that when my birthday comes. My birthday is mm. 13th. And so for me, I think that is when I actually feel like it's a new year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I, I, I can't even remember the last time I made a resolution. Maybe when I was living at home or something and my mom would say, what's your new year's resolution? And I'm thinking, to get good grades? I don't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've had one since then. It's like, okay, it's it's another calendar year, but I like yeah. the birthday thing. That makes sense, though. That's the new year for you, right? I mean, after yes. all. So, David, yes. do you have any New Year's resolutions? You know, it sounds kind of cliche, but sort of like start to exercise more and eat better. I mean, maybe that's that's it. Okay. So yeah, I have to tell you for me, I do, I, I don't, Shamika, I'm like you, I'm like, you know what? I think new year's resolutions is, 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 is a marketing scam. You know, it's BS. And I also try to change things around my birthday if I'm going to change anything, but I do have to say with the hold my drink podcast, 
I have been drinking a lot more. <laughs> and I'm trying, I'm, it's not a re- resolution as like, I'm ch- a major change, but in January, I'm going to try to have a j- dry January. So David, dry I, January. Mm-hmm. so you're going to have to go with these like virgin drinks mm-hmm. all of January for hold my drink. Okay. Well, we'll see. I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm making it public now. So like basically the like, I'm going to hold world, you to it. The whole world. I'm holding you to it. Yeah, last year, um, 30 days before my birthday, I gave up all alcohol for 30 days and I was able to drink on my birthday. And I don't know, I just, I think I felt like I was drinking too much too. And after tonight, I feel like maybe I should do that again. I don't know. <laughs> what is it, a cleanse? Something like a cleanse, Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, 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 like a 30-day cleanse. I mean, you know, it's funny, my friends will call me and they'll be like, I was just talking to a friend the other day. She's like, I need to get back into like, you know, the group. And I was like, girl, you've got two weeks left. I said, eat, drink, do it all. You know, I mean, if you're going to do it, start in the new, again, I, I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions either, but I also don't believe in starting something before Christmas or, you know, like, come on, if you're going to eat, eat now, drink now. So well, I'm eating now because I'm trying to gain weight. So I actually. <sighs> started today i went and got a, a bag of baked potatoes i'm gonna try to eat a potato every day full of sour cream and butter because for whatever reason and this has been happening for like the last 20 years around november december i lose weight i i and people always say how it's yeah. christmas and yeah. i do no, but I've lost 10 pounds since probably like October or maybe September, but it, it happens every year. Like I just, by the time December comes, I'm around 1.30 and I hate it. And so then I have to spend, uh, you know, like I got to look good for my birthday. And so then I start trying to really focus on what I'm eating and add calories in I try to drink beer sometimes. It's like, I'm tr- tr- like, okay, I got to get this weight back because I prefer to be around 140. That's my preference. But every year I lose weight. And that's why people say, like, I have clothes from high school because every year I lose weight and then I gain it back during the summer. And then I just lose it again when the, when it gets cooler. And I why that is you just made a whole lot of people really angry with you right now <laughs> all right seriously all right well Shamika, it was as much fun as i thought it would be <laughs> i'm wishing you the happiest of 2020 most the the well, let's see that you gain your weight back in 2020 2022 and 20, oh my god david i did it again I did that again <laughs> I did this before. You just did that. Why do I yeah. do this? I'm stuck in a time zone, a time warp. Oh, this is bad. No one it's wants okay to go back because to the- 2020, I looked really good. So <laughs> if I can gain the weight back and look the way I did in 2020, I'll be happy with well, it. Well, that was it. That was it. No, no, you know, I would say that was it and use that excuse, but that would be inauthentic. Because I did this the other day with David on the phone, and I don't know what my obsession with 2020 is. I am okay. Enough. Well, <laughs> happy new year to you, Shamika Michelle. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Hold My Drink. Like or subscribe to the show and check out the show notes for links to source material and to our website where you can find what each of us is reading every week. Different news with different views. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore, drop us a line. And join us next week as we say Hold My Drink and the conversation gets real. <laughs>